0: Amen. <clears throat> I'll be honest with you, I know the Spirit's been real sweet in here this morning, and I just don't have a real sweet message. I just don't. All I've got is what the Lord's given me. Uh, I got home at 11 o'clock last night, um, not complaining, just, just being upfront and honest with you, um, I'd studied off and on through the day, and then last night we went to get something to eat, just trying to kind of clear my mind, and I was in Hillsville eating, and uh, my aunt called me and said that her neighbor was getting ready to die, and uh, her neighbor's boyfriend was going off the rails and cussing them and all kinds of stuff, asked me if I would come pray with them. I went and prayed with them, and then uh, apparently she she passed on during the middle of the night, and they called the ambulance, and... uh, they done CPR and I don't, I don't know if she's still alive now or not, but it happens just that fast. But uh, I got home last night and I, I, I sat and I studied and I'd had a little thought on my mind and honestly that's all I've got, it's just a little thought this morning, but uh, I believe that the Lord has sent it. I went to bed at 3 o'clock this morning and uh, I got a burden on my heart. Um. it's a shame it's a shame not not this church but it's a shame what the church has become it's a shame what they say is okay it's a shame what they stand and preach behind the pulpit it's alright sin ain't alright sin's not okay you can't go to heaven living in sin and I'm gonna stand with it as long as the Lord help me till the day I die but it ain't right it's not okay, and I'm burdened. I'm burdened for our community. Um, our older generation's passing on. Our older preachers are passing on, and there's very few that's stepping up to fill the gap. It's preaching the truth, and will stand on the truth. And uh, our churches are telling people a lie, and it scares me. The community, the people that call themselves Christians don't live a Christian life. They live a life that's contrary to the Word of God and call themselves a Christian, and that's not true. It's not true. They're bringing reproach on the church, and we need a generation to step up and live it. To step up and be who we say we are. Step up and live holy before the Lord. It's, holiness is a life. Holiness ain't a denomination. Holiness is a lifestyle. It's what the Lord has called us to. And that's what's required of us to be Christians and to go to heaven. You've got to be born again, and you've got to live right. That's a requirement. I don't know where this is going to go, but Acts chapter 17. I guess if you found your place, let's all stand. I'll give you my heart and I'll get out of the way. Acts chapter 17, we'll just start in verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where, there, where, was Jew, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and devout Greeks and, multitude, and a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few, but the Jews, which, were, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the, certain, unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down, are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city. And when they heard these things, and when they, when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went went into the uh, the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed." also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus uh, abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and to Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, this is the message here, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore he, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Justin, you pray for us. Help us, God. I pray exactly what we the God. you Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The message come from this 16th verse, and his spirit was stirred in him. Um, We know Paul, we know who Paul is. Paul, I've, I've said this over and over, but Paul was probably next to Jesus, the greatest man of God that ever walked the face of the earth. The reason that the uh, early church uh, grew in the manner that it did was because of Paul. The reason that we have the majority of our New Testament Bible is because of Paul. Paul was the one that wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was a soldier for the Lord and uh, as I began to study in the scripture and the Lord had burdened my heart earlier in this week and it just kind of all came together I didn't really understand where the Lord was going with it but um, as I began to study I, I, I see what Paul did and I see who Paul was and I see how that when Paul got saved on the road to Damascus when the light of God shone down on Paul Paul was a murderer Paul was a man that was out to kill Christians he, he hated Christians his whole intent was to stop the growth of the early church. That was uh, Paul's goal in life when he was Saul before he became Paul. His goal was to stop the growth of the early church. But then when the light of God shined down on him and said, why persecutest thou me? And he cried out to God and he ended up getting born again and the light of God began to dwell in him. Who he was totally changed. Who he was before was no longer who he is now. The man that he was, was that persecuted Christians and wanted to put a stop to the early church now he's the man that the Lord is using to grow the church in a mighty way he's probably been used more than anybody that's ever lived in history uh, in the New Testament age he's been used more than anybody has ever been used so the person that he was and the person that he was after he got saved were polar opposites you know if you get born again if you truly get born again the person that you are before you get saved and the person that you are after you really get born again will be polar opposites you won't be that same person that you used to be those things that you used to long after in sin you'll no longer long after them same things that person that you was the places that you went the people that you hung around that will all change because you're no longer a sinner you're no longer bound by sin the Bible tells you tells us that the wages of sin is death. And every man, woman, boy, and girl that's never been born again owes death. We owe death because we're all born sinners. Everyone that's under the sound of my voice this morning has sinned. And if we had to stand before a judge, we would be found guilty as a sinner. But because Jesus shed His blood on Calvary's cross for you and I, I don't have to pay that debt of a sinner anymore. I've been set free from my sin. That sin that had me bound, that sin that had me weighed down. I'm no longer owe the debt for that sin because the Lord saved me. That's something to celebrate. That's something to be excited about. I don't have to die and go to an eternity in a devil's hell because the Lord saved my soul. He left the throne in glory, put on the flesh, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, conquered death, hell in the grave, and set me free. I'm that old man that I used to be. That man that I was before. I was a drug addict. I was a drug. I was a fornicator. I was everything that was wrong with this world. But the Lord set me free. And I'm no longer that thing anymore. The Lord changed my life. And He's using me to do His will. And if you truly get saved, you'll know it. Nobody's ever got born again and didn't know that they really got the real thing. The Spirit of God will be in you and you'll have a new desire and you'll want to speak different and look different and walk different and you'll want to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ to the best of your ability you won't be the same person anymore Paul no doubt was not the same person Paul wasn't the same person that he was before he was the polar opposite And if you're saved, if you've really got it, I'm not here to preach doubt this morning. I'm here to preach truth. I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation, but I want you to be sure that you've got the real thing. I've got a burden on my heart because the world is serving a false Jesus. They've made up their own Jesus. They've made up their own Bible. They've made up their own God that says all these sins and all these things of the world is okay and it is not. They're telling people that just because they uh, They made a profession of faith they say that they got saved or they repeated a little prayer or they raised their hand and said I want to be saved, they're telling them that they're okay and they're falling off into hell every single day because Satan has lied and deceived them and that's not the real gospel, that's not the gospel of the Bible you don't get saved and go right back to the same life and not be changed, you must be changed, if you get born and again, you're not the same person anymore. You're not the same person anymore. <clears throat> we'll start back up in verse number one. I'll give you what's on my heart. <clears throat> now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three Sabbath days, reasoned Reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Verse number five. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. These are the, 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 the Jewish people. We know that the Jew, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, um, they are the uh, God's chosen people. They're God's earthly chosen people. But as born again Christians, we're God's heavenly chosen people. But these are God's chosen people and instead of accepting the light of the Lord, Jesus was the light. When He came to the earth, He was the light of the world. He was the only way that we could be set free from our sins. We couldn't be set free by the sacrifices in the temple and the tabernacle. It took the blood of Jesus in order to uh, set us free from sin and to reconcile us with God and these religious people that Paul had went into the synagogue said he had went three weeks in a row he went three Sabbath days in a row and he preached unto them that Jesus was the Christ and he preached unto them the truth of the word of God and he preached that Jesus is the only way to heaven that's what he was telling them in their tabernacle and and, and in our day I see in our day that they're trying to work it to where Every religion points back in the same place That's what they'll tell you They'll say well it all leads back to the same God It all leads back to the same way And they'll they'll look at Islam And and the Islam, the Muslims, the Muslim religion They they believe from the uh, creation up to Abraham they believe the same thing we do all the way up to Abraham. And then you look at the Jewish sect. You look at the uh, uh, Judaism. and Judaism, they believe the full Old Testament. So the world looks at it and says, well, y'all all lead back to the same way. But what I see in my Bible is that Jesus was the Christ. And if you don't come through and by His blood, there is no way that you can go to heaven. It, don't all, it, it may be the same God from the beginning, but the only way that you can be saved Saved is through his son Jesus Christ and that's what Paul was preaching unto them but this religious crowd refused the light and in our day I see the same thing happening all around us the world's going fall to pieces and I was reading in Matthew 24 yesterday where it tells us that the world's going to get worse and worse and worse but the end is not yet the world is going to have wars and rumors of wars but the end is not yet I know that things are going to get worse but I want my community to be saved I believe that the light of the Lord lives on the inside of me and they can't refuse it if they refuse the light of Jesus then they can't go to heaven they've made up their own Jesus that has no light in it if your Jesus says that you can sin and still be okay with God that's not the Jesus of the Bible that's not the Jesus that Paul was preaching the reason this religious crowd had refused the light was because they didn't want to change their ways they wanted to live like they wanted to and sacrifice some. They wanted to follow their law and it be by their works. It's not by your works and it's not by the law. It's by grace through faith. That's the only way we can be saved. But the Jew, verse 5 again, "...but the Jews which believed not moved with envy..." Took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. They hated the truth. These Jewish people, these people that uh, were God's chosen people that God had blessed down through time had refused the light and they hated the truth. They hated the truth because the truth pointed out their sin. And instead of accepting the free gift of the salvation of the Lord, they refused it and caused an uproar. They refused it and caused an uproar. All Paul was doing was trying to preach the truth. All Paul was doing was trying to show them the way to heaven. But yet they caused an uproar instead of going in the right way. That's where we're at in 2024. If you stand on the truth and you preach that Jesus is the only way and you preach that you've got to live a holy life according to the Word of God instead of accepting it, instead of getting the free gift of salvation, they want to fight against you and cause an uproar because they'd rather live in their own ways. They'd rather do it their way than the right way. But there's only one way. And that's Jesus. Christ and when they found them not they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city crying these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also can I say this in 2024 we need some people to turn the world upside down Justin, I need you to stand on the truth. Whether you're preaching here, whether you're preaching somewhere else, stand on the truth, whether they like it or not. Don't preach something that ain't in this book, but stand on the truth. Don't tell them sin's okay. Don't tell them because you made a profession it's okay. It may cause an uproar, and it may turn the world upside down, but it is right. It is right. Verse number seven, whom Jason hath received... These all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these sayings. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they say, let them go. I wrote this down. This is an argument that the, the world of our day loves to use. Uh, Romans 13 and 1 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the uh, ordinance of God and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation in the world these that don't want to accept the truth of the gospel these that don't want to believe the only way the one true way and the real living God these that don't want to follow the uh, the the example that the Bible has set before us they'll tell you that we have to obey the government. Has anybody ever heard that? They'll say the Bible tells you that you've got to obey the government because of that verse in Romans that I just read. They'll say that you've got to obey the government because all them that's put in power has been put in power by God. But as I read here in verse number 7 it said, whom Jason hath received, these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Caesar was the that was in power and because Caesar had not declared the truth they come against him. Even if our government begins to say that I can't preach against sin. Even if our government begins to say that I can't preach against homosexuality. If the government says that I can't preach against adultery. If the government says I can't preach against fornication and lying. No matter what the government says I have still got to stand on the word of God. Not only me as the preacher but us as the church of the living God. We've got to stand up for what we knows right, whether they like it or not, I don't believe with anything in me that the Lord wants me to obey the government when they're coming against His book, when they're coming against His word. He don't want us to stand for that. If it turns the city upside down, if it causes an uproar because they don't want to hear the truth, we've still got to give it to them anyway. I'm not saying to do it, I'm not saying to be hateful. I'm not saying to come against them in the wrong manner, but I'm saying love them and tell them the truth because this way is the only way to heaven. This is serious. They're dying all around us. The ones I went to last night, they had lived together for 20 years, never been married, walked in the house and it smelled like marijuana and they said that it was okay with the Lord. They've been deceived. They've been deceived. You cannot live in sin and be right with God no matter what the world tells you. Verse number 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they, all, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So here we see that Paul... And Silas have went into Berea After these in Thessalonica was causing an uproar, they was looking to uh, arrest Paul, they was looking to come after him and cause trouble, and all he was doing was preaching the truth. Now Paul and Silas has went into Berea, and the very first thing he does is the same thing that caused an uproar the last time. He went right into the synagogue, and he began to reason with them that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know, us at times, we'll remember what happened the last time we tried to mention something about Jesus down at the job site, and some Somebody gets upset with us and we'll say well I'm not going to mention it no more because that causes me problems. Hey the call that was on Paul's life didn't allow him not to say it. There was something that changed in him that put a desire in him and put a fire in him that there was no way that he could not tell somebody about who Jesus was. What kind of desire do we got today? Do I have that burning fire down on the inside that I have to tell somebody because my Lord saved me and I owe it to Him and I I know the right way and if I don't tell them, they might end up in the devil's hell and the blood would be on my hands. He went right into the synagogue and he reasoned with them again that Jesus is the only way. But I like what it said there that they they accepted it better than they did at Thessalonica. But then after they accepted it, let's read here verse 13, but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the Word was preached Of Paul at Berea, they came thither and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. So as soon as Paul began to make some headway, as soon as Paul began to do something that was good, and the Spirit of God was moving, and people was getting saved, and lives was getting changed, Satan immediately came to attack. Satan come because he's seen what Paul was doing. Paul wasn't uh, Paul wasn't bowing the knee to bell He wasn't giving up because Satan had attacked him or because they had rejected him. He continued on for the glory of God anyway. And when the good work began, Satan began to attack. This morning, if Satan's not attacking your life, it's because you ain't doing nothing. Somebody already said it this morning. But if you ain't doing a work for God, or if you are doing a work for God, Satan will be attacking you. Ever since. I've been standing in this pulpit I've been attacked more than I ever have in my life more than I did just out evangelizing and I know that it's because the Lord has a work that he's wanting to do and no matter what the attack is we're going to keep preaching we're going to stand on what's right we're going to preach the truth of the word of God we're going to preach you got to live right to die right no matter who wants to come against us the Lord being our helper because it's the truth it's the truth the world don't like it the churches don't like it and I'm okay with that that'll be perfectly fine because I'm going to stick with the Lord they come against Paul and I'm nothing like Paul he was the greatest man of God I know of but I'm going to try to follow his example I'm going to try to do what's right verse 15 and when they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus For to come with all speed they departed. Verse 16, this is where we're trying to get to. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So here Paul, the last two places he's been and everywhere he's been up to this point, he's been in prison, he's been stoned, Everybody comes against him, but all he's doing is trying to serve the Lord because he has true faith that... Jesus is the right way. He knows that He has to. He knows that it's not an option that He just followed Jesus. Uh, uh, Christianity, living for the Lord after you get saved, is not an option. It's a requirement. If it was an option, Paul probably would have quit. Why wouldn't he? I mean, they're trying to kill him on every side. Why wouldn't he just quit? It's because it wasn't an option. But here he has. He's went into Athens and he's right by himself. Here he is by himself. The other 2 had haven't come with him yet. But while he's here in Athens, this is what the, the title of the message is, His Spirit was stirred in him. His Spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. This was Athens, Greece, and they were serving these Greek gods. We all have heard of Greek mythology of Zeus and all these others. I don't even know who all they are, but they was given wholly to idolatry. And because he's seen that they wasn't believing the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit was stirred in him. And even while he was there by himself and he was waiting for the others to get there, and he knew that if he said something about Jesus, he was most likely in danger of his life. But when he saw what was going on, his spirit was so stirred that he had to speak up. When's the last time our spirit was so stirred because of what was going on around us that we had to speak up? If we was as close to God as Paul was, there'd be something down on the inside saying, You gotta say something. You gotta say something. How many times do we walk by somebody that we know that's drinking alcohol or smoking marijuana or saying these dirty words, and we don't even say nothing to them? This is people we know. This is people that. That we care about, and we don't tell them the truth. When Paul was here in Athens, this was people he had never seen before. This was strangers that he had never met, yet he was still stirred in his spirit that he had to call them out on their sin. He had to tell them the right way, the truth of the right way. This message earlier this week. I've told y'all before I listen to a lot of podcasts. I just I like to hear, I like to listen to people talk about Jesus. And uh, I was listening to a podcast, there was two preachers on there, and I hope I get this right, but there was two preachers on this podcast, and they was talking about discipleship. They was talking about how that when people get saved, we need to disciple them, we need to show them the way, explain to them the Word of God, and what comes next, and how that um, when they get saved in our day, a lot of times we fail them. They get saved and we say, well, praise the Lord, they're saved and we never help them again. And I agree fully with that. We, we, we do fail and we do need to disciple them and help them and show them the way because that first step is just that. It's just the first step. Then there's more steps continually every day. But as they were saying this, they begin to say that, um, and this is the wordage that they used, but they said that we've came to a place that uh, salvation is like something that you check off your bucket list. And I thought, well, I see what they're saying. They said that people, they have people that comes to their churches. They're both pastors. They'll probably watch me and get mad. And that's fine. But they have people that come to their churches. And they come and they get saved, so they said. And it's like they checked something off their bucket list and they never came. And then after they said that, they said, And they're going to heaven, but then they need discipleship. And I began to think, and it stirred my spirit. Just like what Paul said here, it stirred my spirit. I thought, you can't say that them people's going to heaven. You can't say that them people got born again. uh, Salvation is not a a bucket list salvation. It's not just something that you check a box, and you've done it, and now you're fine. Salvation is a born-again experience. It's a miraculous working of the Holy Ghost, down on the inside of your heart. And if the Lord ain't drawing you, you can't get saved. And if you think that you got saved, but nothing in your life changes, then you didn't really get it. It's not a bucket list salvation. And these preachers are preaching... That I was listening to, that all you got to do is say this prayer, repeat after me, or you just got to raise your hand, say, I want to be saved, or you just got to go through the motions of getting saved and call on the name of Jesus, and then you're fine. Everything's fine. Like it's a bucket list salvation. They even said that these that are doing this are going to heaven because they got saved. That's a lie. That's a lie. They're not going to heaven. If there was no Holy Ghost regeneration, not on the inside, they're still lost they're still lost and they stand up and say if you've been saved you couldn't go to hell if you wanted to and they're falling off into hell every single day because they've been lied to and deceived I ain't gonna lie to you I don't know your heart and just because you made a profession don't mean you're saved if the Lord ain't drew you I wrote down some scripture here John six forty four. no man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day if you're don't feel Holy Ghost conviction down in your soul. You can't get saved. You better keep seeking Him. You better keep seeking Him. Second Corinthians 5. We all know this scripture. For the love of Christ constraineth us. If the love of Christ don't constrain who you are. If the love of Christ, because He saved you, don't change you and constrain you from living in the same sin that you've done before, you did not get salvation. You didn't get saved, and you better get right with God. Larry Johnson just testified to it this morning that he came to an altar on March twenty fifth or March twenty second of, of two thousand, and he bowed down before the Lord and he said, "Lord, if you'll, Lord just saved me, but I'm gonna drink a little bit." And he said it was silence. He said he got silence. He went through the motions. He called on the name of Jesus. He came at an altar call, but he didn't get saved. Three days later on March the 25th of 2000 in putt Fun Funding Games parking lot, he called on the Lord and he said, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll quit this alcohol, but you're going to have to do it. And now 24 years later, he's still saved, he still ain't drinking, and he's still walking with the Lord. It's because the love of Christ constrains us. The Lord does it. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. You can't get born again and not know it. You can't get born again... And just hope that she did. I use this analogy often, but on the day that Sally Ann Sperlin was born, on May the 2nd, two years ago almost, when she was born, when when my wife gave birth to my daughter, I physically seen her body. I held her in my arms, and I knew that my daughter was born. few hours later, my mom and dad and her mom and dad came to the hospital and they held her. And they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Sally Ann Sperlin had arrived on this earth. Can I say when you get born again, there will be no doubt in your mind that you got born again. There will be a change. It may not be a physical body, but there will be something spiritually done on the inside of you that changes and there's no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ washed your sins away. And the weight of the world come off your shoulders. All that sin that you owed, that debt that you owed for that sin that you was holding on to, the Lord will take it and you'll cast it as far as the east is from the west and you'll know that you got born again. And not only will you know, but the fruit that comes after will show those around you that you got saved. Mom and daddy knew my daughter was born and if you get born again, the stuff that comes out of your mouth will prove to me that you did too. I don't know your heart but there will be some evidence. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now henceforth know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you are in Christ, your old man has died and everything becomes new. And if that didn't happen for you, you've not been saved. You ain't got it. And I can't preach you into heaven Preacher Bill can't preach you into heaven. Justin can't preach you into heaven. It takes getting born again. It takes seeking God and the Holy Ghost of God drawing you and you laying it all down on an altar. It ain't got to be at this altar. It can be in a parking lot. It can be wherever you're at. But don't die lost. Don't believe a lie that because you made a profession, everything's okay. That ain't the truth. That ain't the truth. John 3.3 Jesus answered said unto them Verily, verily, I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. The reason I believe that the majority of the world lives like they do and thinks that they're saved is because they can't even see the kingdom of God. They've not been born again. They don't know what it is to be constrained by that love. If they're not constrained they're not saved. If you can live in sin and it don't bother you you're not saved. You ain't been born again. <clears throat> I wrote this down. That was an idol. That's what I'm getting now. That was an idol. This is an idol that we begin to worship. Um, the definition of idolatry is the worship of idols. The worship of someone or something other than God as though it was God. They've twisted salvation. They've twisted the blood of Jesus to the point that they say all you got to do is make a profession. And then, it, then you're saved. And you can worship that Jesus. That's not Jesus. They've made a false Jesus. That's an idol. They've made an idol. And that's what we're doing in this day. The next thing I wrote down was, they're worshiping an idol of God is love. How I many have ever heard that? This same crowd that'll tell you, you got to obey the government. And whether the, government, whether the Bible says it's sin or not, the government says you got to do it. This same crowd will tell you, well, God is love. God is love. How could a loving God send you to hell? Has anybody ever heard that? I've heard that all too often. God is love. A loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell. And He don't. He's given you the way. He's held out His hand. Jesus is the way to heaven. And if you go to hell, it's because you chose that path. God is love. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness not only is God love and he is no doubt love there is no love without him he showed his love to us on the cross but God is also wrathful Said the, ra- the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. You can't live in sin and be right with God. That brings the wrath of God. Hebrews 10 30 and 31. For we know him that has said vengeance. So he's a loving God, he's a wrathful God, and he's a vengeful God. Amen. According to the Bible, that's what he is. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It said the Lord shall judge His people. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a loving God. I don't worship a God that's only love. I worship a righteous and just God. And if I try to make Him anything other than that, I've made an idol. I've made my own God. Galatians five nineteen through 21 you all know these scriptures. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revilings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, That they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God is a God of love, but if you are living in these sins, you're not part of His. You ain't serving the same God I'm serving. You've made up your own idol. I wrote this down. They say, Love is love. That's where we've got to in our day. Love is love. This crowd that wants to say that same sex marriage and things is okay. Love is not love. That's an idol. That's an idol. First Corinthians nine through10 says, "Know ye not that the unrighteousness, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. nor thieves, nor covet, covetous, nor drunkenness, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. God made marriage for one man and for one woman. And if your God tells you anything else, you ain't serving the same God I'm serving. You're serving an idol. I wrote this down, and most don't like this, but that's okay. last idol I got wrote down is once saved, always saved. That's an idol. That's a false God. Romans 6, 1 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Once saved, always saved is an excuse to continue in sin. It's a lie. It's an idol. That said, that. what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That God forbid means it's not going to happen. If you look at the Hebrew and Greek definitions of God forbid, it means it ain't going to happen. You can't continue in sin and still go to heaven. That's an idol. Hebrews 10, 38 and 39. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but unto them that believe unto the saving of the soul. There's a life required to live after you get saved. Once saved, always saved is an idol. We've turned Jesus into an idol. We'll read just a few more here. Uh Start back at 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the uh, city wholly given to idolatry. Is our spirit stirred in us? This, these things that I just listed, I ain't just calling people out. I'm saying our spirit should be stirred in us for what's going on. Our youngins are going to see and think that it's okay to live in these things. They're going to learn from school and they're going to learn from being out in public that these things are okay, but it's not. And if we don't stand against it, they're not going to know the difference. I've got to stand on the truth, not only at the church, not only the preacher, but all of us as a whole out in the world. We've got to stand against these idols. They're not serving the God of the Bible. They're not serving the Jesus that died for me so that I can be set free from sin. I'm freed from it. I don't have to live in sin anymore because He set me free from it. That's an idol. They're idols and I'm not going to fall for it. Verse 17, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Paul has just had to run from two different cities because the Jews were attacking him for preaching the truth of the gospel. And in these two other cities, he had two other fellows with him and he was still doing it and he still had to run. Now he's come to Athens and there's not a Christian in sight, but yet he's still in the synagogue and he's still standing up against their sin and he's doing it right by himself. Hey, that's where we need to be. That's the kind of will, that's the kind of stirring that we need that we're going to do it no matter what. Even right by ourselves, And you're going to be by yourself. You're going to be by yourself a whole lot of times. The preacher ain't going to be there. Your church family ain't going to be there. May not be another Christian inside. Stand for what's right. Stand for what's right. Tell them they're worshiping an idol and that ain't the God of the Bible. Their soul is weighing in the balance. Their soul is standing on the line of dying and going to hell for eternity. Hell is an eternal death. They want to tell you that hell is just temporary or the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, so it must not be forever. Hell is forever. Hell is forever. You either have eternal life or eternal death in torments, being away from God, cast out into outer darkness where the worm dieth not. That's what hell is. Don't let them lie to you, don't let them fool you. Death and hell is forever. We got one chance, and it's one life. Use it for the glory of God. Make sure today. Then certain of the philosophers, verse 18, of the Epicurus and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things... Ye are too superstitious. And we won't read all the way down through there, but all the way down to 31, he preaches to them Jesus. And he rebukes their sin, and he stands on the Word of God right by himself with nobody else around. It's just him and the Lord. And I like this, that Mars Hill. We've all heard of Mars Hill, but that Areopagus in verse 19, and Mars Hill, that's the same place. And what Mars Hill is, is the Rock of Ares. And Ares, we know, is the Greek god of war. So this rock, this place at Mars Hill where Paul was standing, he was standing on one of their idols. He was standing right in the midst of their sin and stood against it. He was so stirred in his spirit that he had to tell them that he stood in enemy enemy territory on enemy ground and preached to them the truth. We need that. We need that in our day. We need that. I'm heartbroken for the way our county is. Just Surrey County. This used to be one of the most godliest places I know of. Now it's just not. Now it's a false God and a false religion, and they're lying to their church members. And I ain't going to stand for it. We got to do something. We got to do something. We got to get excited, and we got to get on fire, and we got to get on the whole armor of God and go out to battle. This thing is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts going and a-coming, and i got to get in the fight. Living a Christian life is a fight. Tommy, you come on. Galatians 1, 9 and 10 says, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. I can't stand with them. I just can't. i got a preacher friend that's mad at me right now. He's mad because he's been married before and I told him you can't preach. It's the Word of God, and I've got to stand on it. And I can't back down from what I know is the truth. They're going to come against us, but we've got to stand on it. Amen. Our country, our county, our kids are counting on us too. I'm heartbroken. My spirit is stirred. And to hear these pastors that I thought were pretty decent say, well, they're going to heaven because they made a profession. They're farther gone than I thought they were. That scares me. That scares me because that's what our whole county's hearing. Everywhere I know of preaches that same mess. And it's a lie. And my spirit stirred. Let's all stand. I know that wasn't a...